0: The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. I'm Jacob Goeth. He's Carter Bird with you here for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7 for the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. A gorgeous day again here in Auburn, Alabama. Carter, I think we complained about the weather enough to where the Lord finally said, I'm tired of hearing it and i'm going to give you some good weather supposed to be beautiful all week long i love it yeah it's, 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 it's it's perfect it's good to be back in the studio i was not here uh yesterday obviously if you listened in i was not here i was on the road calling lee scott baseball but don't worry i've got lee scott baseball again today and on thursday it's a very busy week as the regular season winds up and winds down i should say for lee scott baseball And again, that's all on AU100, AU100FM.com and the AU100 app. That's 100.3 here in Auburn. Uh, Baseball is coming down the home stretch for regular season high school baseball and then postseason gets going underway uh, next week, late next week, so looking forward to that. But I will be uh, on the call for Lee Scott Baseball this afternoon. The Warriors taking on Springwood again in games two and three of a doubleheader over at Lee Scott Academy. So I'll be here for the first 30 minutes of today's show, and then Carter will carry you uh, the rest of the way. I believe he's got some guests lined up for the second hour. So stay tuned for that, but I'll be here for the first 30 minutes. We'll talk about everything going on in the sports world because it is a busy, busy time. Probably the busiest time for sports in America and so we'll talk about everything that's going on right now in these first 30 minutes and then again Carter will carry you the rest of the way uh, but again a very very busy time Lee Scott Baseball had it yesterday I've got it today I've got it on Thursday to wrap up the regular season and then a playoff start next Thursday same thing for Auburn High those games are on 96-3 W Lee and for Auburn High softball uh, so those will be getting underway softball begins uh, beginning of May is when their area tournament will be, and then they'll get into postseason play. And then Auburn High baseball, unfortunately, uh, they need they need what they would call uh, um, some help. Maybe, uh, maybe not a miracle, but they need some help this week. They have to sweep yes. Opelika uh, in their series, and then they need Central to sweep Smith Station for Auburn High to baseball to get into postseason play. And so uh, those games will begin tomorrow. Scott Bagwell will have the call for Auburn High Baseball versus Opelika. Game one tomorrow at Opelika, and then games two and three at Auburn High. So those are all on 96.3 Lee. So just a busy time in high school sports here at Auburn Networks. But for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7, you've got Carter and I for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Carter, I know you gave away some uh, baseball tickets yesterday for Auburn as they have a midweek game at home.
2: Yeah, yeah, we, we gave away some tickets uh, for the Auburn-Sanford game uh, tonight. Auburn really needs to get that one back oh, after, after what has been a pretty brutal stretch recently. We know they've been banged up. Um, it's a big one, and I promise you, um, Sanford really wants this one as well. Yeah. I can promise you that because um, you, there's some history there. Uh, it's an in-state school. A lot of guys probably from in the state of Alabama that that may have wanted an offer from from a school like Auburn or Alabama. They always get up for those games. Uh, you go back to to last um, year when two of your best players on Auburn's roster yeah. were Sanford transfers, and you I think Chase Isbell is a Sanford transfer as well. I could be wrong there. Um, but I imagine that there's some added motivation by Sanford or uh, in this matchup. Yes, Chase Isbell is from Sanford as well. Um, so Auburn's gonna take the best shot from Sanford. They got to be able to battle through it and uh, figure out a way to get a win in the midweek because yeah. they desperately need it.
1: Yeah, and that's what happens a lot of times in these midweek games. These smaller schools, uh, they. If they get up for these because it's their they have few opportunities to take down a big name program like Auburn or or playing any team from the SEC in the midweek and so you're going to get their best shot night in and night out in the midweek and
2: Auburn has already dropped a couple of their midweek games throughout this year and mm-hmm. so and this is a Sanford team that is sitting atop its league in the in the SOCON so that's something uh they're they're not to be taken lightly they've They've played some big name schools too. When you when you look at it, they've they uh, played Mississippi State earlier this year. Uh, they had a three game series actually with LSU. Uh, they they already played Alabama. Like they've they're a battle tested bunch. Um, they haven't had a bunch of success in those games, but they've done well in their own conference. Way. How about this? This is super random. Sorry to go off on a tangent here. They have when Auburn plays Sanford the second time. In May, May 9th, they play a midweek game. That weekend after, Sanford has a random, random three-game set against Kansas? Against
1: Kansas. <laughs> yes, that is <laughs> extremely random. But yeah. hey, I don't think Kansas baseball is anything spectacular. You don't really hear about Kansas baseball a whole lot. But hey, good for Sanford getting their shot. don't good for them for getting their their shot at, at a big-name school. I don't know if you'd say and consider Kansas baseball a big-time program. But, uh, yeah, Auburn playing Sanford tonight in the midweek. And so uh, we were uh, very fortunate to be able to bring some tickets towards your way. And so we appreciate you all uh, listening and calling in yesterday. Stay tuned. Auburn baseball at home this weekend uh, versus Mississippi State. So we uh, may or may not have tickets to give away later on in the week. So be sure you stay tuned for that. And so you got high school baseball coming down the home stretch. You've got college baseball, which uh, is really in the heart of things right now it's just a busy time for sports the transfer portal wide open right now in college football and spring practices continuing to roll on and spring games happening all over the country over the next week or so Uh, how about the NBA and the NHL both of them are in the playoffs now thankful uh, for that and starting this past weekend Uh, you've got NBA playoffs NHL playoffs and good thing about us here on ESPN 106.7 we get to bring you quite a bit of those those NBA playoffs and so uh, we've got games all week and weekend and so really excited uh, to bring you those Uh, we've got just so many great matchups uh, all postseason long and when it gets down to the NBA finals we'll have all of those games here on ESPN 106.7 uh, we are very very uh, glad and fortunate one of the great things about being an ESPN affiliate is we get to we get to bring you those and so yep. we have some really good games I kind of give you a rundown of what's coming up this weekend. and weekend uh, starting tomorrow you've got the Lakers and the Grizzlies game two how about the Lakers being up one game to nothing on the two-seeded Memphis Grizzlies John ja Morant his injury status is questionable.
2: Anthony Davis got banged we up. Had, we had like four guys get hurt on the same day. Yeah, it was it was, was that crazy? On Sunday or was that That Saturday? was Sunday. Saturday. Yeah. That no, was No, no, it was Sunday. Yeah, it You're was right. Sunday. Some of the biggest names in the NBA playoffs, Giannis, Ja, Anthony Davis, uh there's somebody else that I'm I'm missing on. Well, Paul, I, think Ty- I think Tyler Hero got he
1: banged did. up too. That's exactly who it is. Tyler Hero from the Miami Heat. Yeah, he broke his hand. Wow. Broke his hand. And so, yeah, he's out for the foreseeable future. Uh, Paul George of the of the Los Angeles Clippers, he did not get hurt in the series. He's out for the series. Uh, he's not playing that first-round series against the Phoenix Suns. The new-look Phoenix Suns, in case you missed it, they now have Kevin Durant. Uh, so that's a very uh, loaded team with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. But starting on Wednesday, that's tomorrow, here on ESPN 106.7, we'll have the Lakers and Grizzlies game two with the Lakers up one nothing On Thursday, we'll have the 76ers on the road in Brooklyn. Uh, that'll be game three, 76ers up 2 nothing with the MVP favorite, Joel Embiid and then on Friday this series is a lot of fun we'll have the Cleveland Cavaliers at the New York Knicks that's game three of that series all in the first round here on ESPN 106.7 so stay tuned if you're a basketball guy on the radio like I am uh, you can tune in for the NBA playoffs all postseason long here on ESPN
2: 106.7 so we're excited to Why bring do you they those. have so many days off from game to game I think they got spread Saturday spread it NFL out Tuesday. man yeah, but you got so many games right now. I feel like you half should play every night. Yeah, I mean, and they're just really trying to milk the postseason for for all it's worth and extend which, it out as long as possible. Which they definitely do, but I mean, there's
1: pretty much over the next month between the NBA and the NHL, you're going to have playoff a playoff game every single night. Like you will have one every single night, and that's why I love it. That's why April to me Outside of March Madness, because of the NCAA tournament, the month of April is the best because you have the NBA in the postseason, the NHL in the postseason, you have college baseball that's like, in the I feel heart like of just it. You said
2: this about March Madness.
1: I know. I said aside from March, aside for I love March. Fair. As March itself is, is March Madness. Like that is a, its own separate thing. But when you're looking at all the sports collectively, NBA postseason, NHL postseason, college baseball in the heart of the season, a high school sports coming down the stretch. You have MLB that's really getting off and running, uh, with the Atlanta Braves being the best team in major league baseball. So it's just an exciting time. I mean, it is there's so much going on. It's overwhelming at times, but it's a good overwhelming.
2: I absolutely love it. Then we have a uh it, it reminds me of the super sports equinox that we had yeah. uh yeah. in twenty twenty one. Where we had, uh, we had a Thursday where we had NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, MLS, tennis, college football all in action at the same time. Or, no, no I, I think that was on that was in the fall of 2020. I was about to say that would have been what, like October, probably. Uh, s- around September 9th or okay. September of 2020. Okay. How yeah. about that? That interesting. Was, we will never see that, a day like that. Every no, weekend. probably not. Probably not. Uh, you're talking about that Knicks-Cavs series. Um, Auburn fans might be interested. Isaac Okoro made his return after missing the last six games of the regular season uh, with, I think he had some soreness. Um, I, I think it was some knee soreness. Uh, he made his return last game and actually posted the team's second best plus minus. The stats don't blow you away. He was 1-6 of from the field, oh four 4 from 3. But he had six points, three boards, a couple of, uh, of assists, and he was plus six. Uh, in his 23 minutes on the court as he kind of tries to round back into form
1: yeah as the Knicks
2: take the first game of that
1: series that's the 4-5 series over in the east that is one of those that is just really really exciting a great group of young players on both squads uh, that will make that series very very competitive the Boston Celtics—they won their first game over the weekend against the Atlanta Hawks in convincing fashion. It was only a 13-point win, but they were up by 30 for most of that game. So happy about that. The Bruins in the NHL—they won their first game last night with their best player not playing and the stomach flu going through the entire team. So Bruins are looking good there. Uh, it's just—it's one of those—it's—it's it's that time of year where there are just so many. Good games and the playoffs, there's nothing like it. I mean, you even came into the studio today and you said, I watched overtime hockey last night and I've never been more proud of my life. I
2: love postseason hockey, it's awesome, it's fantastic. And people hate on me for it, but it's fantastic, it's so good. I mean, you especially overtime, it gets like so much more intense. It just the pressure ratchets up and up and Mm -hmm. up, and it's so physical, it's so fast, it's so intense. I mean, it felt like uh, watching the Dallas Stars game last night felt like every shot was hitting the pipe, and it was just, it was such it's a rush man to, it is. to to watch playoff hockey it really is and there's a reason why uh, charles barkley says it's the best postseason in sports and if, if you're an auburn fan and don't listen to charles barkley i don't know what you're doing then
1: because the good thing about hockey overtime is first score wins there's no they do a 20 minute period but first score wins and so in the playoffs that that um the the stakes are just so much higher and so postseason hockey is a lot of fun. Some of the biggest storylines from the NBA uh, really is, I think, the injuries that we talked about, but that Kings and Warriors series is something that everybody in the sports world, I feel like, has their eyes on because everybody knows who the Golden State Warriors are. Everybody knows who plays on that team. Everybody knows that they are the defending NBA champions. They took down my Boston Celtics last summer. They are currently down 0-2 in that series to the Sacramento Kings who have not been in the playoffs in 20 years.
2: Yeah. How about it? How about it? Not not afraid of the limelight. How about those those Kings? Light the Beam and all that good stuff. It's I, so I, cool, man. I have a good buddy uh from, from Northwestern that is a diehard Kings fan. Yes, those apparently actually exist. Uh, and i'm just surprised their fans do exist <laughs> and, and so he's been really really pumped i think he went to game one uh, nice. i think he he flew i don't i think he i think he's somewhere in chicago but i think he flew out to sacramento to go to game one um and yeah i mean it's it's a lot of fun and you're defending champ uh golden state warriors they're they're on the ropes here um something we're not used to seeing especially in the first round yeah exactly and they i forget the exact stat
1: but i mean The fact that this Golden State team is down 0-2 in a series, that just doesn't happen to this squad, coached by Steve Kerr, a team that has Steph Curry, who is the greatest shooter of all time. You have Klay Thompson on that team, Draymond Green, uh, who, shocker, was at the forefront of a bunch of controversy last night, got ejected in the game in the fourth quarter last night. Uh, There's a lot to unpack in that situation, but... This Golden State team just doesn't go down 0-2. Like, they just don't. They don't lose two games in a row in the playoffs very often like this to start the series, and you were talking about your, your friend flying to go to a Sacramento Kings playoff game. That's a once-in-a-lifetime experience for them to yeah. go to a playoff game for the Sacramento Kings. It's, it's sort of a joke. But it's sort of not <laughs> like that. Team has yes. not been in the postseason in like twenty years, so uh, good for them. And their the atmosphere in Sacramento right now is unbelievable.
2: It's Some, unbelievable. Somebody wrote, a, I think, an article uh, after the first games of these series. Um, have you ever seen the the rom com How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days? Yeah. Do you know who who in that hypothetical movie, the hypothetical world? Who matches up in the NBA Finals? The Knicks and the Kings. <laughs> and they're That's both right. currently undefeated right now in the postseason. So we are a little bit, a little bit uh, closer to seeing that potentially play out.
1: I mean,. I wouldn't completely write it off. You've got the Kings who are what? The 3 seed in the west and the Knicks who are the 5 seed in the in the east. So, it's very possible and yeah, they're 3 and 0 combined. The Knicks are 2 and 0 or the excuse me, the Kings are 2 and 0 after last night and the Knicks are up 1-0 on the Cleveland Cavaliers.
2: If there is a scenario where where the Knicks and Kings play for the NBA championship this year, I feel like Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson have to show up to, to a game in Madison Square Garden. Think about the names that would be there for that,
1: including <laughs> those people. I mean, there's just well,
2: no because they're the two stars of that yeah, movie.
1: Yeah, they would
2: have to, and they, they and they go to the game. Guaranteed, they would. Guaranteed, they would
1: hundred percent show up.
2: You, you, I feel like it would build up more and more and more as we as we went, and that you would. They would have to feel the pressure to actually show up to that game. Well,
1: everybody jump on the train. We are all officially Knicks and Kings fans throughout the playoffs (laughs) to try to make a reunion happen of a movie that was completely fake and made up. But now it actually, for the first time ever, has a possibility of happening. we got to get to our first break here at hour number one. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll continue talking all the biggest storylines around the world of sports. I have to get out of here in about 10 or 15 minutes because I have least got baseball. But stay tuned. More of the Tuesday edition of On the Line when we come back.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app.
1: Back inside the studio at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And Greg, you're on the line. Welcome in.
3: Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, right, man. Greg. How are you? Hey, like, I've been trying to catch y'all Listen, listen to you on a uh, podcast still. Okay. Off the... Uh, App and whatnot, but I, I usually ain't able to catch y'all uh, live and whatnot to call in talk with you, But look here, what's your stance on the Auburn quarterback? I, I just want to kind of get y'all's reading on
2: it. Well, uh, I talked a little bit about this yesterday. I, I mean, Auburn has to go get a quarterback. I don't expect TJ Finley to be on the roster. Uh, I think he is, I think he did an interview. I, I can't recall where, but there's somewhere where he did an interview where he acknowledged that. Uh, he is considering entering entering the transfer portal. And honestly, at this point, I don't know why he just wouldn't go ahead because it appears right now he is the third-string quarterback. That appears to be where we're at coming out of spring. If he leaves, I am of the opinion Auburn absolutely has to go get at least one quarterback because I don't – and this was my monologue yesterday. I don't want to go into the fall of 2023 if I'm Hugh Freeze and that staff – where I'm having to rely on Hank Brown, 6'4", 195 pounds, three-star, developmental guy. He was committed to to Liberty and Hugh Freeze. He followed him to Auburn uh, when he got that offer. I would prefer not to have a guy who's enrolling in May be my third-string quarterback with the injuries that we saw this past year. If you're asking me right now, I still do not think the starter in 2023 is on Auburn's roster. I think Auburn is going to find somebody out there. And I think that, that um, as guys enter the portal, as, because we, us changing this portal window is such a disaster because everybody's still in the middle of spring. A lot of schools are. And it's, create, it's, very, it's created a weird trickle into the portal. And I think quarterbacks will enter the portal here soon. Once guys start entering the portal, I expect Auburn to be after at least one, I think two
3: let me just throw let me just throw a little little food for thought out there. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> I'm on first of all I'm gonna let you know that I I, I respectfully disagree. I think Robbie Astor is your quarterback in this scenario, uh I think that if you get the grad transfer that McCall kid, I think you take it. Right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. and it's gonna be it's gonna be between, you know, uh Robbie Astor to him. Uh, now, here's another scenario you got right here. Right? Stanley, I don't care if he uh, – be honest with you, I think he ought to go. Uh, I can't – If it might have been a uh, on three guy that he uh, did an interview with, but the kid needs to go. Look, if, if you got a problem with a competition, somebody said you start, okay, well, because you're the starter don't mean you stop. i seen a five-yard pass. And I could have kicked it to the guy better than he thought <laughs> Whatever. Fair. It, so, and I'm going to go from there, though. But now, say this scenario right here comes out. Now, this is where it gets tricky. And I don't know what you do. I mean, I'll, you, you kind of got to take your chance on him uh, if it comes up. I don't know if it will. But what about this kid? Let's say this scenario here, the guy from Texas, uh, the backup quarterback, Texas. Uh, you, you already got the and guy, whatever his name is. You got a man that's sitting over it. The other guy that's in there with it had a pretty dang good spring game. Say he hits the transfer portal. Armor goes after him. You take him if you get a chance to take him. What's that do for the kid out of Arkansas, Walker White? I mean, what's that do for a lot of things? I mean, that, that right there might blow up your stuff. Cause, I mean, this kid's a redshirt freshman we're talking about. Pretty good kid. So, I mean, in my situation, I'll be honest with you, I don't see who you can go out there and get right now that's going to make you a 10-win team, in my opinion. Besides somebody like maybe a McCall, they can just throw it all over the daggum field. So when when
2: you're talking about Texas, the quarterback, are you talking about Malik Murphy? Yes, I believe that's
3: him.
2: Yes.
1: Well, Um, let me let me say, yeah, let me say this this about yeah he he looked good. And let me say this: I think if Auburn has a chance, and I think they will, uh, if they have a chance to go get an experienced quarterback in the portal whether it's one year three years five years in the portal of experience Auburn has to take that chance whether it's a guy from Texas or, or a guy from anywhere in the country if he's got the experience and can make Auburn better than what they already are Auburn has to take that chance you're absolutely right Greg and and I'll say this too if they bring in let's say they brought in Grayson McCall for just sake of argument here. If they bring in Grayson McCall and Robbie Ashford beats him out and get and wins, truly wins the starting job, then yeah, then we'll be we'll say we were wrong and, and that Robbie Ashford deserves to have it. But uh, I just I think, don't think Auburn, that's gonna happen. I don't either. But if it happens, I think Auburn fans would be fine to back him and say, All right, because there's a lot of fans that still believe that it's still Robbie Ashford.
3: I I I do, I mean I bet you guys Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I ain't trying to cut you off, there, but I'm just, I, mean, I just don't see—I don't see this team right now with the way it is. Just you really don't have a lot of playmaking. You got some, uh, maybe one receiver, maybe two, one out of the slot, and then you got tight end situations. I think your offensive line uh, is marginally better, and we'll see how far that goes. But I, I just don't see this team. I, to me, the ceiling of this team's maybe eight wins, nine if we're lucky. Who are you going to get out there that ain't going to implode your whole quarterback situation going forward for what you're trying to build? You dang sure don't want to lose Walker White. And I think, you know, I think that's your kid, you know, two to three years down the line here. Right. But, yeah, I mean, is pretty much shown that. hey, look, I'm I'm here to win ball games. That's what I'm paid to do. Right. And I obviously, half these kids. You're getting paid to win ball games too. So <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah I mean, that's so right. That's right.
3: I, I, I'm hang up. And listen, to y'all guys. But hey, man, I, I enjoy your show, guys. Appreciate, appreciate it. it Greg. Appreciate
1: that, Greg. It's good to hear from you. And glad you were able to catch us uh, during the show time. I have thoughts on on Greg's comments, and I'll talk more about it in yep. the uh, next segment. Yeah, Carter, you're gonna break that down. I have to get out of here. I got to go call Lee Scott baseball on AU one hundred. That's one hundred point three. First pitch at three thirty. Lee Scott in spring wood carter continue this conversation because i think it's a good one
0: you are on the line with jacob Goetz and carter bird on espn 1067 auburn opelika's sports leader
2: Carter Bird in the Auburn Network studio, solo in the rest of the way for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We just had uh, Greg call in. Actually, first let's 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 give Jacob the proper shout out. Jacob is on his way to Lee Scott Academy to call. Uh, I was wrong yesterday. It was not a doubleheader against Springwood. It just was a single game. Uh, today is a doubleheader at Lee Scott, starting at three thirty on. Uh, AU100, 100.3 FM, AU100FM.com, and the AU100 app if you want to keep track of that. Before the break, we had a call from Greg talking about the quarterback situation. Uh, Greg's of the opinion that Robbie Ashford is the quarterback in 2023. I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, and I just want to talk more about this and, and what could potentially shake out here I think there's going to be more quarterbacks hit the portal than people realize, or at least uh, flirt with the portal. Um, maybe, I mean, look, it's this is the game in 2023. The kid himself may not talk directly with a a head coach or a staff, but I promise you there will be back, back-channel discussions uh, through somebody with several quarterbacks around the country looking for better uh situations so i think that there will be guys who at least flirt with entering the transfer portal uh talking about Robbie Ashford i i still i'm just not sold he's the guy right now i think he made a lot of progress this spring i think the staff was happy with that progress but i still don't think they are sold on him being the starting quarterback in 2023 and I think how aggressively Auburn is going to pursue a uh a transfer quarterback is going to show you that. Uh Auburn's going to there there's going to be a name that we know Auburn's going to be after whether it's Grayson McCall who entered the portal last time uh was Auburn was heavily in the mix with Florida on that one. All of the like there will be options. I think Grayson McCall, Greg brought it up, it'd be a battle between Grayson McCall and Robbie Ashford, if Grayson McCall came to campus, I'm not sure how much of a battle that would be. I think Grayson McCall, of potential quarterbacks out there that could enter the portal, Grayson McCall is about as ideal of a fit for this offense as there is. I mean, he he really is a special, special player, and I think he is a guy that can elevate this Auburn team. You want to talk about expectations for 23? I think right now, The expectation needs to be seven and a half wins. I think that that's fair for 2023 with the current state of the roster. You have an easier schedule. Uh, You've got a game against Cal. How do you elevate that? Well, you go get a quarterback who's a difference maker. You go get some receivers in the portal that can be difference makers. I think Auburn's going to do both of those things. And I think when you look at it, somebody like Grayson McCall can elevate you to 9-10 wins. I'll say 9-10 plus wins, potentially. There are other names out there that I think could probably do that. Uh, I mean, I haven't heard anything about them hitting the portal, but I mean, mean, think back to if the current version of Bo Nix was on this roster, this is a 10-win Auburn team. I firmly believe that. With the development that Bo Nix showed in one year with Kenny Dillingham at Oregon, it would be night and day from what we saw last year. I agree with, with, with Greg that TJ Finley, I just don't think he has what it takes to be a Power 5 quarterback, much less an SEC quarterback, much less an SEC West quarterback. I just don't think it's going to work out. And I think he is probably evaluating his options right now, and I think if, if, if he had to make a choice right now, I would bet he'd probably go in the transfer portal. Now Greg also brought up you don't want to do something that could jeopardize your quarterback room going forward. Could blow it up or upset people. Okay. Robbie Ashford, let's 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 talk about Robbie Ashford because I don't think Robbie Ashford Robbie Ashford is somebody who can go in the portal. I mean, if he goes in the portal, he's going to go sit for a year. And what's the point of that, honestly? And like I've, I've, he's already missed his window for his free transfer with a new coach. So if he transfers, he's already used his one-time transfer. So he'd have to sit. Robbie Ashford's not going anymore. I don't think you have to worry about that. Holden Gurner, that'd be a little different. Although I do think I do wonder if the progress made over the back half of spring has him wanting to stick it out a little bit. Because as of right now, I mean, if Auburn goes and gets a one-year stopgap guy, what does that really change for Holden Garner? He was already expecting to be a backup. He was already expecting, I mean, at best, he was expecting to be the second-string quarterback. I guess at worst, he was going to be third-string. So, I mean, what does that change for him? He, he waited out for one year, if it's a Grayson McCall, or if it's somebody else, if it's a one-year guy. I don't I don't know how much that would change things for Holden Garner and Greg brought up competition I don't view Holden Garner as a guy who's afraid of competition I don't view that at all And that brings us to Walker White which is who Greg was worried about If you bring somebody in and his example was a hypothetical Malik Murphy the 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 red shirt freshman um, backup quarterback. I guess he's running third at Texas. Big guy, six five, two 235 pounds. And he had a, a good spring game this past week. And I tell you what, probably had a better spring game than Arch Manning because I watched all the Arch Manning throws. Um, he looked like a high schooler. He looked like a high schooler. I mean, that's, there's no other way, way to cut it. But Malik Murphy was a four-star coming out of high school. Top 180 guy. I wonder if you have a guy like that enter the portal and Auburn were to go land him. How much would that really affect Walker White? And and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. I think Auburn fans right now are so quarterback starved. They want great quarterback, good to great quarterback play, elite quarterback play, So badly, because we haven't seen it at Auburn since 2017. When Jarrett Stidham put it together a little bit in that year, 2018, thought his first game against Washington was the best game we saw him play. I came out of that game and I said, "That's, that's the kind, the numbers weren't groundbreaking, but watching the passes, I was like, that's the best game he's ever played. And then he regressed from there think that's a Gus Malzahn issue Bo Nix we didn't see the development that we would have liked in his Auburn career I think that that is again a Gus Malzahn problem and a Brian Harson problem and I think I mean we can trace a lot of things back to a Brian Harson problem but it's been before that for elite quarterback play or great good to great quarterback play I guess you could say 2014 Nick Marshall as far as being a passer. 13, I don't think he was a good passer. I think he was an above-average passer, I guess, but he was elite with his legs. 2010, Cam Newton is probably where you'd go for the last elite quarterback play at Auburn. I think Auburn fans are so starved for good quarterback play. Not necessarily elite, good quarterback play. That they're putting too much pressure, putting too many eggs in the, in the Walker White basket too soon. Because, kind of like what I'm saying about Hank Brown, I know that they're different. Hank Brown, we all knew, was going to be a developmental piece. He was gonna, It's going to take him a couple years, I think, to physically be ready for the SEC. That's part of the reason why I don't want him to be the third-string quarterback with the injuries that we saw at Arkansas, Alabama, heck, Auburn, Kentucky, A&M last year, at the quarterback position, just the quarterback position. That's why I don't want Hank Brown to be the third guy. Now, when we move to Walker White, I don't want him to walk on campus in 2024 And the expectation be for him to start as a true freshman. I want to give him time to develop. I don't want to see him thrust out there and not be prepared to have success. I want him to develop. I want him to build confidence. I want him to adjust to the speed of the college game in practice and spring games and all of that. Sure, you can get him in some in the fall of 2024. But unless you are a really elite, special, five-star quarterback, I'm of the opinion, way more often than not, you need a year or two. You need that time to develop. So when I look at transfers coming in, I look at a guy like Malik Murphy, hypothetically, because that's the example that was set up by Greg. If Walker White's going to be the guy in two, three years, how much does Malik Murphy really affect that? I mean, if Malik Murphy comes in and plays really well and exceeds expectations and develops under Kent Austin, under Hugh Freeze, under Philip Montgomery, three really good quarterback coaches... That do a great job of maximizing the talent of their quarterbacks. In three years, I don't expect Malik Murphy to be on the roster. I would hope that he's been developed enough. He's got the size, he's got more than enough size. I would hope that he develops enough to where he's going and playing professionally, he's playing in the NFL. If that happens, I don't think that affects Walker White. I, I don't think bringing in a quarterback right now, regardless of year in the transfer portal, really affects Walker White. Because again, much like I view Holden Gurner this way, I view Robbie Ashford this way. I think Robbie Ashford's not afraid to compete. I don't think Walker White is afraid to compete with anybody coming in the door right now in this spring portal period, spring, summer portal period, whatever you want to call it. I don't think Walker White is afraid of that. I think he's, he's shown you who he is. He's a guy that loves Auburn. I mean, he's recruiting more than any commit I've ever seen, and that includes Demario Austin, who is about as good at it as I've ever seen. He's recruiting everybody. To the extent that I made the joke last week that maybe he comes off a little too strong to some of these guys. But um, I don't think bringing in a quarterback drastically affects this quarterback room. To me, the only thing that could possibly happen is if you take two guys, does Holden Gerner evaluate his options and say, huh, maybe I need to go elsewhere. It's getting a little crowded. That's the only thing I can see, but I don't. I don't think going and getting a quarterback in this portal period is going to affect this quarterback room all that much, because Robbie Ashford's not going anywhere. I, I am in my mind, TJ Finley is not on this roster for 2023 until it's to be one of those things where. Missouri, like show me, like show me that you're gonna stay, because there've been the comments don't seem to lean towards he's gonna be on this roster. The body language, the word from from listening to people uh, behind closed doors, the story that Zach Blackerby, who's gonna come on the show here uh, at three thirty to talk the transfer portal, the story about. I think it's the Arkansas game this past year where Robbie Asher gets banged up at the end of the game and they try to put in T.J. Finley. He says no because he's trying to preserve that red shirt. And I don't think that sat well with the locker room and the comments on social media and this dad going on on Auburn and coming after the staff and coming after the offensive line. T.J. Finley came after his own offensive line on, on Instagram. I don't think that sat well in the locker room. And that, like, there's enough stuff, whether it be comments, social media posts, performance, I don't expect T.J. Finley to be on this roster. So if I have that mindset, I really don't know how much bringing in a quarterback changes this quarterback room. Now bringing in two quarterbacks, that would be a little bit different. Then we'd have a conversation about, okay, what happens with Holden Gurner? Does he stick it out? Does he compete? Or does he hit the eject button and look elsewhere? That's about the only thing I can see that changes it. I don't think bringing in one singular guy in this portal period does that much to affect the Auburn quarterback room. Whether it be Walker White, whether it be Robbie Ashford, whether it be Holden Garner. I don't think it does that much. That's just my opinion on it. And... We will see what plays out because there's still 12 days in the transfer portal period. So there's plenty of time for plenty of movement. I think you're going to see a lot of movement from Auburn's side um, both ways. I think you're going to see guys leaving. I think you're going to see you guys coming in the door. We need to hit our final break of hour number one. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of Braves baseball before Jack Hudden joins us at 3 o'clock.
0: You are on the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502
2: welcome back to on the line on this wonder wonderful tuesday outside just absolutely beautiful uh, jacob talked about it uh, when we started the show finally getting sustained good weather for an entire week uh, it's great to see uh, especially for our our friends out there, like Jacob Hillman and Christian Clemente, that are trying to get out on the uh, golf course every so often. Uh, but yeah, I want to wrap up hour number one talking about the Braves because last night they started their series with the San Diego Padres and they got a big time road win, two to nothing, uh, thanks to an Austin Riley uh, two-run home run, or I guess it was he had a a, a home run in the. Uh, top of the first, and that's really all they needed uh, because his two-run home run was the only scoring of the game um, as just 13 hits between the two teams as the Braves pitching staff. Max Freed was on the mound, and he threw really well. Five innings, uh, four-hit baseball, had four strikeouts, uh, just 79 pitches as he eases back into it. Then you got great performances out of Dylan Lee, out of the bullpen. Uh, J- Jesse Chavez, he he went an inning where he gave up a hit and a walk but escaped any damage. And then A.J. Minter came in and got the save. Uh, it was great to, to see this Braves team uh, respond. Well, not only stay hot, because they've now won seven in a row, I do believe, uh, but they responded to... That three-game skid against those same Padres at home where they lost—they won game one of that series 7-6. to six. Then they lost 5-4, 4-1, 10-2 over the next three days to the Padres, which, are, by the way, are three of the Padres' eight wins on the year. That's a Braves team that has the second-best record in baseball. They have since followed that up with a sweep of the Reds, which, fair—I mean, the Reds aren't anything too special— a sweep on the road of the Royals, which the Royals are, I mean, I guess they're not the worst thing ever, but they're not a good team. And then they took game one on the road uh, against the Padres as they have a really long stretch here of of road games. Uh, this this will be nine straight. And the, if they can, now that they are seven games in, they've won, or I guess it's, it's just uh, six straight, rather. They've won four of these first four games. So you've got momentum. You're back in action tonight. You've got Spencer Strider on the mound versus Blake Snell. A couple guys uh, who who have shown some talent in their career. Blake Snell, obviously, is one of Cy Young. This Braves team, uh, right now, I mean, you can't deny it, they're the hottest team in baseball. And it's really impressive to see how they've overcome all the little kind of uh, the Knicks and the and the injuries that they have had, uh, none of them I don't think have been catastrophic. It's not like we're we're talking about an Edwin Diaz where you lose a guy for the whole year, or an O'Neill Cruz with the Pirates where he breaks his leg and is out. For, he's on the sixty day DL. is out for four months. This team has just quietly just handled its business and racked up wins and saved that one little three-loss stretch, they're better than everybody in baseball, including the Rays, who lost their third game, I believe, last night. They're now 14-3. and three. They're, This Braves team is now one game back of the best record in baseball. And this is a Rays team that, over its last seven it's four and three so, i mean let's see if the braves can keep it up tonight another big matchup and see if they can win this series in the first two games uh, that's going to do it for hour number one hour number two we lead off with our good buddy jack hutton after not uh making the show yesterday we're going to squeeze him in today and he's we're going to talk some Auburn football and maybe some baseball and braves and everything like that
0: production. You are on the line live on ESPN 106.7.
2: Here in the Auburn Network Studio, Carter Bird soloing the rest of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Starting off hour number two, joined by friend of the show and my good buddy Jack Hudden. Jack, welcome in, buddy. How are you?
4: I'm good, man. How are you?
2: Doing all right, man. Uh, it's good. To, it's it's good to have you on, man. It's been a uh, it's been a little dicey here in the last day or so trying to get you on.
4: This <laughs> year sure has, man. Man, had a. Had a couple things I had to take care of yesterday, and um, got down in the bowels of a deep building. But uh, I'm back up, ready to talk some Auburn sports, man.
2: Yeah, and let's—I uh, mean, let's dive right back into it. I mean, uh, we we spent a lot of time talking about the transfer portal, specifically the quarterbacks in hour number one. Uh, there's some discussion about, I guess, what's the state of that quarterback room. Uh, who could be leaving in terms of TJ Finley? I guess. And uh, what's Auburn going to do? Jack, in, in your opinion, what is what should Auburn do here over the next 12 days in this transfer portal period uh, to address any potential uh, needs or movement in that quarterback room?
4: Well, obviously, I think the biggest the biggest thing that you would love for to, to happen um, is Robbie Ashford to actually you know blow up and be the guy that you want him to be. I'm not so sure that that's going to happen, and so um, that's where you need to turn. Um, you know, I know that there's been some talk about chance Nolan, the the guy out of Oregon State that I don't know if he is in the portal yet or not. are you uh, Do you know that, Carter? I
2: think he is. Uh, I will yeah. double check that.
4: Yeah, so I'm not sure if he's actually in the portal or not, but I know that there's been some um, discussions about his name. Um, chance you Nolan know, yes, he
2: is he is chance in the Nolan. transfer portal.
4: Okay, there you go. Um, and so I know there's been discussions about his name. Uh, he's a guy that you could bring in that I think would be compared to the rest of the country, probably a little bit off the radar. Um, yes. but when I mean, you go back and you, and you look at, um, i like, I took a look at his film last night and you know I think the guy's got a good arm. Um, I think he's definitely would come in as the most polished pass- passer in, uh, in Auburn's quarterback room. Oh, 100%. Um, definitely. Yeah. And definitely the one with the most experience. Um, and so that's where I think I would look first. Um, you know, outside of that, there's a lot of other names that I know that have been kind of thrown around that, that you and I have talked about, that, that a lot of Auburn fans have probably already heard before. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of those guys, like some of those guys aren't even in the portal yet, and you're just getting a lot of, oh, this guy may jump in, he may not, and Auburn staff is, is certainly watching him to see if he does land in the portal. And so, uh, you know, you just never know with these guys. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think that there's some names that I'm still not sure um, you're, you've I'm still not sure Auburn's quarterback next year has even answered the portal yet. Um, you know, it may become a guy like Chance Nolan out of out of Oregon State. But um, watching the days to come, and you know, you may get some guys popping up that all of a sudden Auburn goes all in on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I Chance Nolan is the name that that I've heard about, and I think uh, Auburn Daily uh, with with our good friends over there, uh, Lance Daw, Zach Blackerby, and uh, Lindsey Crosby. I think they wrote about Auburn actually has. Uh, Made some contact with Chance Nolan here since he's entered the portal. Uh, He's a guy that, you know, Auburn doesn't, two years ago at Oregon State, he was a 64% passer. He threw for 2,677 yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Interception numbers are a little bit high. Don't love that. Uh, I think he had uh, an injury that limited him this past year. He just played just five games um, he threw for 939 yards, seven touchdowns, eight interceptions at about a 59.5% completion percentage. And I'll be honest with you, even that, Jack, that's better than what we've seen out of the three guys in Auburn's room, his 2022 stat line. Uh, but if you can get the 21 version of Chance Nolan, if he were to come to Auburn, I think that's worth a half a win, maybe a win, because it's, it's a cons- somewhat consistent passer, which the three guys on Auburn's roster right now, I don't think we've seen a sample size big enough for, for to um, feel confident in holding Gerner, but Robbie Ashford was a 47% passer last year. We've seen TJ Finley at two different schools now. I don't think he has what it takes to be the guy uh, at an SEC school, much less an SEC West school. Really a Power 5 school, to be honest with you. I think he's going to have to go uh, smaller, like, G5 football for his next opportunity. And then, of course, the most popular name that has been mentioned is Grayson McCaw, a guy who was in the portal uh, in the first portal period, a guy that was linked to Auburn, linked very heavily to Florida as well. That's somebody that if you were, if you were asking me of names that are being talked about as potential portal uh, entries... He absolutely jumps out to me as somebody who I think would be a perfect fit for Auburn. He is a career 70% passer. 2 years ago he was 73% passing. He threw for 2800 yards that year. He's thrown for 8000 yards in his career. He has 78 touchdowns in his career to 8 interceptions. I think that is a it's like a 1.04% uh Rate interception rate when you look at his 792 pass attempts. I mean, and he's a mobile guy too. He yeah, would be say. he would be the dream ad because uh, he's also added 17 rushing touchdowns in his career. Because I think he's a guy that that could use a bigger stage to show off his skill set to try to get to the NFL. He is a very accurate passer. He can throw for 2,500-plus yards, he protects the football, he doesn't throw interceptions, and he uses his legs. Those are all qualities that Hugh Freeze wants in a quarterback. And I think yeah. with, with Kent Austin, with Hugh Freeze, with Philip Montgomery, those three guys as quarterback coaches, each being a good quarterback coach in their own right and all working on the offense together, they can get the most out of a guy like Grayson McCall if he were to end up on Auburn's roster in 2023.
4: Yeah, another quarterback that um, is linked to Hugh Freeze in the past. I mean, um, you go back to, I guess, one of his last years at Ole Miss, but a guy that, and I don't know if it's a fair comparison or not, Carter, but um, I kind of liken him to Bo Wallace, who was there when Ole Miss was coming up, kind of when Auburn was going through that 2013-2014 run, um, you know, you remember that game in Oxford in twenty fourteen. It was it was kind of characterized as the game of the century at the time. Auburn was number three, old miss was number four, um, and Auburn comes in and, and beats them, but not to the not to the chagrin necessarily or not because of anything that that Bro Wallace did. He kinda ran up and down the field on Auburn, um has a big arm and uh, you know, I think that that's kind of who I would liken that to. Um, you know, McCall is going to be a bigger guy that can run, um, and he, he can he can use that skill set. But he's he's kind of a passer first, um, and I think that's what this Hugh Freeze offense needs is a big arm that can air it out, but a guy that not necessarily is a, a home run hitter, um, kind of like Robbie Ashford would be with his legs. But you know, a yeah. guy that can scramble, a guy that can they can use um, running if they want to.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't hate that comparison. They're similar in size. Uh, Grayson's about an inch shorter and seven pounds lighter, based on what I'm looking at. Uh, but I think Grayson's a better athlete. I think he's a better quarterback. I think he's more accurate. I think he protects the football better. Like Agreed. I think if you if you're making that comparison, Grayson McCall is the leveled up a time or two version of Bo Wallace. And 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 I I think he could be really really special in a Hugh Freeze offense.
4: Yeah, and I I think I agree with that. Um, You know, I guess what I would what I would say to that is, what does he look like against SEC competition? You know, he's he's played in the Sun Belt for a few years now, and so you know, if you were to and just kind of going back on the comparison, not to not to keep harping on it, but if you were to go back to those years and six a Bo Wallace down at Coastal Carolina or at a Troy or, you know, something in the Sun Belt like that. What does he look like um, against those defenses? be interesting to tell. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I have to think that, that Wallace probably would have looked a little even a little bit better, um, although he was still pretty darn good at, at Ole Miss.
2: Yeah, 100%. And, um, I mean, when you look at not just quarterback, Jack, when you look around Auburn's roster – to me, what jumps out is Auburn has to go get a receiver or two that can get separation and help these these quarterbacks that are currently on the roster and who maybe help draw in a potential uh, transfer quarterback. Um, because right now, outside of Camden Brown and Javarius Johnson, there's not a lot of guys that... You feel confident about? I mean, Javaris Johnson's really the only proven commodity on this Auburn team. He led the team in receiving yards last year, which I mean is not saying a lot. He had like four hundred receiving yards. Uh Camden Brown is a guy that has gotten a ton of buzz. It certainly seems like he's running in that wide receiver one spot. How vital is it for, for Auburn to add a receiver to go along with that quarterback to help him along in twenty twenty three?
4: Well, I think it depends heavily on, um, you know, what what does Auburn get from the guys that they already have here? And, you know, they've already had a spring to develop and to kind of look over their roster. Um, you know, if you, if you, look through the room, I mean, you got a ton of talent out there. You got um, Rivaldo Fairweather, who comes over from FIU, who's listed as a, I think he's going to be listed as a tight end, but he's definitely going to play more of that slot receiver role. Um, so, you know, I think that that's, Somebody that you may be able to count on. And, and you don't know yet because he hasn't been under the lights um, in an SEC school. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that you may be able to count on um, as the season kind of kind of gets moving along. Uh, you know, you've got guys who have played significant snaps. Uh, Malcolm Johnson Jr. is still kind of lurking around in that room. And so, you know, again, you've got guys that have some some talent and snaps. What does it look like uh, for this staff? And do they feel like they can get the production they need to out of these guys. Um, you know, I'm not sure that, uh, that they have everything that they're going to need. And then I think that they would love to add one or two more. Um, I know there's a guy from Texas that just entered, I believe it was yesterday, and, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, but I know he was a big, he was a big recruit. Um, there's a TCU guy, I believe, and again, not, can't remember <laughs> the guy's name. Um, but I think he was a former four, five star in 2022. And so, you know, there's, there's talent out there, but, As somebody mentioned the other day that that I heard, the football transfer portal, in college football at least, is not necessarily a, hey, go get a game changer. I mean, maybe you got a few guys in there like that, but it's mostly a depth builder for college football. It's a little bit bit, uh, different in college basketball just because you've got guys coming up from mid-majors that are ready to play on that level. In the SEC in college football, it's really difficult to get guys from those group of five schools that are physically ready um, to take on that task. And so, you know, I don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. They, uh, I'm sure that they're going to offer a couple more guys um, as we keep moving in this portal season. And uh, it be interesting to see who they go after. I think it all starts with what can you get from the guys on the team right now um, and then how much do you need to make up for.
2: Yeah, and I don't think Auburn's going to be done just adding quarterbacks and wide receivers in the transfer portal. We've already seen a couple offers on the offensive line, uh, Jaden Muskrat, three, 307-pound offensive lineman at Tulsa uh, out of Arkansas. He uh, obviously has a relationship with Philip Montgomery. Auburn was one of his first offers, uh, and he is somebody that I think Auburn will definitely look to add. But he's not the only offensive lineman we've seen at, uh, get an offer because Emmanuel Pregnon – the freshman offensive guard out of Wyoming, uh, he got an offer along with a bunch of other teams. Also, he has he tweeted out he literally went on Google and looked up Auburn logo and picked like the PNG file because it's got the 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 gray and white checkerboard behind it because you can lay it over <laughs> a background. I find that hilarious. His yeah, offer the, list the tool. Yeah, his <laughs> offer list since hitting the portal is nothing short of. Amazing. He's been on the portal for days now, and he's got an Arizona offer, Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois, Oregon, Indiana, UCLA, Ole Miss, Colorado, uh, Washington State, Kentucky, Arizona State, Penn State, Tennessee, Miami, LSU. I mean, you can go on and on. A&M and Virginia Tech are on there. He looks like he might be the most sought-after offensive lineman in the portal. What does it say to you that Auburn is looking for to continue to add via the uh, transfer portal on the offensive line?
4: Well, I think one of the things that, that you're worried about it saying is that they're not confident in the guys that they got in the room right now. Um, and that's a little bit different of, a, of an ideology that we've heard through spring so far. You know, you've heard that the offensive line has really been a strength for this uh, spring practice. Um, you know, I'm not sure that that's quite the case. I think really at the end of the day, the staff's looking for depth to kind of build the floor of this roster. Um, And the more guys with experience and, and, you know, just talent in general that you can get to come on board, um, you know, that raises, like I said, the the floor of the talent in the room. And I think that's where Auburn lacks um, as opposed to the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world. You know, you've got pretty highly ranked guys on your team in those large spots. You know, you you bring in a guy like Keldrick Falk, who was a top 100 player. Um, you know, Duran Reed's going to join this team. Um, you know, you got guys all over the field that were pretty highly ranked out of high school, but, you know, you're, you're, you're going against, you know, your, your twos and threes are three star guys and, and they're lowly, they're low ranked three star guys. Whereas the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio states of the world, those guys are, you know, top 200 recruits that are yep. playing behind five star recruits. And so, you know, that's all about just raising the talent level, the floor of your talent level in the room. And I just I think that's what this staff is doing rather than a belief that they're not good enough on the offensive line yet. I think that they are trying to build depth. Um, but it sounds like they're they're pretty happy with where the offensive line is through camp so far.
2: Yeah, I I when I look at this, I think I I look at these two names as potential options at that right guard spot. At one of the two guard spots, And I think, I mean, if both want to jump on board, you'd take both. And I think, I mean, I think Pregnon, I think he would have a chance to start uh, as soon as he walked on campus because I think he's that impressive. I was watching some clips of his film, uh, and the offer list would uh, seem to imply that as well. I think it's certainly interesting. We've seen not a lot of movement in terms of Auburn adding Portal players. We've seen them um, lose a couple guys. We've seen DeVaris Dawson and Jeffrey Imba of the last week. How big are those in terms of losses and how does that affect Auburn's strategy moving forward via the Portal?
4: Well, I think it's more of an image loss more than anything because um, a guy like Tavares Dawson was is somebody that the fan base was really excited to see. You know, he was a four star recruit that came in that um, had really good speed, had really good reviews out of high school, was a three star, committed to Auburn, and then for some reason didn't get the the Auburn bump down to, um, you know, below that line. He actually went up in the rankings, which was different for Auburn fans for that time. Um, but, you know, Tavares Dawson, I, I think, is a guy that they'll certainly be missed in terms of depth, but I mean, he really hasn't been a major contributor for this team yet. I mean, what's, what's, what's his highlight at Auburn? It's the catch from the slot that he made last week in the eight, a game or how many ago that was. Um, so I, I'm not sure in terms of production, you're, you're going to miss a whole lot there. Um, you know, I think in Jeffrey Imba, that's probably a guy that was more potential. Um, I think than Tavares Dolphin. I mean, you know, you and I were watching, I think, the Mississippi State game last year and saw him just bull rush the offense, the left tackle for Mississippi State. Um, and we kind of looked at each other and went, there you go. There's your Nick Fairley play that, you know, obviously we're not calling him Nick Fairley, and he's going to be anything like that. But that's what you need on the defensive line. You need a guy who can take up some double teams, um, you know, who can essentially wreak havoc whenever he wants to is a good way that, I think a lot of coaches refer to it. I think Emba has the potential to be that guy um, and could be that somewhere else, and I think Auburn was, was kind of grooming him to be that. Um, so, so it's a potential loss, I think. But, um, again, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of production there when you look at what he's done at Auburn yet. And so um, hard to really say. Um, I think that Auburn can make it up elsewhere. I think they're going to have to do it through the portal. But, um, you know, I think that that will be done fairly easily because these guys really haven't had a lot of production at Auburn.
2: Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. Jack, are you are you free to stick with us for one more segment?
4: Yeah, I can do one more.
2: All right, we're we're going to hit a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit uh Auburn baseball, maybe uh, some basketball as
0: well. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app.
2: Carter Byrd in the Auburn Network studio on this Tuesday on the line edition, joined by Jack Hutton on the phone. Jack, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, football and the transfer portal specific, a bunch of offense, uh, and then some of the losses that Auburn's had in the portal already. I want to transition to basketball because Auburn's got a bunch of scholarships to fill still. They've had a bunch of guys on campus. Uh, Ben Middlebrooks, the Clemson transfer, I think he just uh, may have committed to NC State. He was on campus this past weekend. I think NC State was able to offer him more playing time. Uh, I think you've got Chaney Johnson uh, on campus this weekend. Um, When you look at the addition of Denver Jones, what more does this Auburn uh, basketball program need to add for you to feel good going into the 23-24 season?
4: Well, I think need a few things. So Denver Jones is obviously a huge part of what you need. And, um, he's a six four guard that can shoot, and Auburn <laughs> has needed that for some time yeah. now. Um, so, you, you know, you check off just a huge box there when you're talking about Denver Jones. So, um, you know, I, th- I think that Auburn really doesn't need um, – I don't think they really need any more guards, but I think what they do need is a three, and then they need three depth. Um, you know, you're looking at – if you're looking at um, basketball positions, just you know, point guard to center, one, two, three, four, five. I think that Auburn has just about every other position. I think they have just about a two deep at every other position, and that three is just kind of barren. I mean, you got Chris Moore there who can kind of slide into that role, and then I guess Jalen Williams in a pinch can do it. But you know, you're you're probably not going to have um, Alan Flanagan back, and so there's a three position that you got to go get. So. I really think that Auburn has got to go um, pretty hard for a couple of these guys. I think Um, if you can get a star, um, a guy like I think Matthew Cleveland um, from Florida State is going to be, Um, you know, he's already been really good at Florida State. And I think, you know, getting on a team that can compete for a championship just kind of fuels his competitive fire even more. Um, You know, if you can get a guy like that, then, and I know Auburn fans and you um, might, might even hate this, but. I really don't hate the idea of having a guy like Devin Cambridge back from Arizona State um, in that backup three role. I think he brings some energy. I think he would bring, a, I I guess, a know-how to this offense um, and and really this defense. I mean, he he understands the expectation that the Auburn coaching staff has um, and he understands what they're trying to do. And so I don't necessarily see the harm in, in bringing a guy like that back. I just don't think that that can be your feature guy if you're going out to get somebody because, I mean, you know, Devin Cambridge is going to be what he is. He's about a 30% shooter from three on a good day. Um, you know, he shot well from the field last year at Arizona State. What does that look like when he gets back into the SEC? Um, I don't know, and, and I think that that's something that the staff's going to have to figure out. But um, I think you got to go get a, a guy that you think can be a star at the three. And then I think you need a good backup that can provide you some energy. Outside of that, maybe you go get a four. I think um obviously Cheney Johnson is the guy that they're looking at. For that, I think that Auburn's in good shape with him. And um, once they get him on campus, I believe that's Thursday, you know, if you can get a commitment from him, I think you've just about locked up your four spot. Um but from there, you know, I think that's where Auburn goes is get a get a main guy at the three, get a backup three, and then go get Cheney Johnson and make sure you build that post out.
2: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think Auburn definitely has uh, room to get creative with this roster. Uh, Matthew uh, Cleveland, Cheney Johnson, another name that I think is um, starting to pop up a little bit. It's a guy like Jalen T- uh, Tyson out of uh, Texas Tech, um, a guy, a, n- another bigger kind of guard that can play that three role if you if you need him to. Uh, I think that there's certainly options for this Auburn team, and I think it's certainly going to be interesting to watch uh, what what takes place, and, you know, I mean, as crazy as the basketball uh, portal has been, I mean, we've seen Arkansas land five guys already, I expect uh, things to pick up sometime soon here for, for, for Bruce Pearl and company.
4: Yeah, I definitely do too, I think that you're, you know, it's a, it's a fairly small portal window here, and Um, especially with what other teams are doing you know you're seeing um, left guys actually enter the portal now just because there's kind of that mass exodus to start Uh, now you're about to start seeing guys commit and come off the board and so the sooner you can get guys to visit and get them in um, you know a lot of times this portal recruiting doesn't really go the way that the high school recruits do if these portal guys go on campus somewhere they like it they um, they can see a future there. Yeah, It's pretty easy to get them to go ahead and commit and just cancel all their other visits. I mean, I think Denver Jones had a few other visits planned and came to Auburn and committed that day. And so, um, you know, something like that's going to be difficult to get for Auburn if they're in the portal, but um, I think that in time they'll have their guys.
2: Well, Jack, appreciate your time here today, buddy. Thanks for uh, helping out and coming on the show. Your thing, man. All right, we will uh, talk to you later this week, hopefully. All right? All right, sounds good. See y'all. Coming up, we got uh, Zach Blackerby from Locked on Auburn joining the show.
0: You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
2: Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Carter Bird in the Auburn Network studio, solo in the last hour and a half of the show, as uh, Jacob Goins has called some Lee Scott Academy Baseball. I think they are just underway for their doubleheader with Springwood uh, over on AU100, AU100FM.com, and the AU100 app if you want to go check that out. We are joined here uh, by by a guest that we've, we've had once or twice, um, good buddy Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn. Zach, welcome in. How are you?
5: I am so good, Carter. I'm so good. Good to chat with you.
2: Absolutely, man. It's uh it's an exciting time uh with Auburn Athletics with I mean, we've got two hectic crazy portal periods happening simultaneously. Uh and I guess let's let's dive into Auburn football. Um I I've not been able to finish fully today's episode of Locked On Auburn, but I started listening to it um and i know that
5: you listen long enough to call out my bad audio and i appreciate that
2: (laughs) i just was i was wondering what was up i just was curious but uh um so the hot topic for all of our callers for really the past week or so has been the quarterback position at auburn Uh, i know i don't expect tj finley to be on this roster in 2023 i think you feel the same way right now zach uh how do you see Auburn attacking the transfer portal when it comes to the quarterback position?
5: Well, you know, is there a guy in the portal right now that's Robbie Ashford, TJ Finley, or Holden Garner? And I don't think so. I just don't think that guy is really there. There are some, maybe some guys that may have some upside, but I think Robbie's upside is significantly better than all of those guys. So, you know, um, I, I don't think they're going to really have a whole lot of conversation with guys that aren't in the portal yet. And so, you know, I think you look at some of their public offers, they're attacking guys in the, uh, the trenches on both sides of the football. I think that's clearly been a focus. The, the quarterback thing, I just, I got a feeling we'll know whatever news breaks that someone enters the portal, Carter, and be like, oh, this could be it. But right now, I, I don't think that guy's in the portal.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the only name right now that I guess jumps out to me that's in the portal is Chance Nolan, I guess, from Oregon State. And I don't view him as – I mean, I guess he could be an upgrade because you look at those 2021 stats, he was a 64% passer, did throw a lot of of interceptions. um, But it is a transition from the Pac-12 to the SEC. I'm not sure there's a – uh, a true difference maker quarterback out there right now, and I tend to agree with you. Uh, you brought up the the trenches. There have been a pair of offers, at least that we know of, uh, that have gone out. I know you're really excited about one of these guys, Emmanuel Pregnon. Um When you look at Auburn and how they are offering offensive linemen, are you viewing this these two offers to to Muskrat out of Tulsa and Pregnon, Are these guys that they're offering? to come in and start immediately, or are these those potential depth guys? Because it seems to have been uh, a question mark about what does this offensive line look look past the sixth or seventh guy?
5: Yeah, yeah. I think Pregnon and you, you look at what he did as a true freshman last year at Wyoming, he played all of his snaps at right guard. I think he's the best player in the transfer portal right now. I'm very high on him and what he's able to do at you know a six, uh, six, six ish pounds freshman all American at Wyoming Carter, I think there's a lot of value to that. And so uh, you know, I-, I think that he's probably a guy that starts over Jeremiah Ryder Tate Johnson if he were to come in. I think he's probably an instant starter. He's gonna come in and learn the offense quickly and earn it. But I mean he's he's on a path to be a future NFL player. I-, I just think he's really, really good. I'm really high on him. Then Jamie Muskrat, like you said, the offensive lineman, specifically the right tackle out of Tulsa, I think is a little bit different. Because, one, I think it kind of depends on how the staff views him, like what position is he. Well, the offensive coordinator was his head coach last year, and mm-hmm. so they put, him at, they put him at right tackle. Is he a right tackle in the SEC? I don't know. I don't know. At six three three hundred, 300, you can see him being a tackle or a guard. I think that's kind of, you know, uh, depending on how you want to use him. Um, you got to think the relationship is there. And mm-hmm. if Muskrat does come and he, he they kind of slot him as a tackle, I think Auburn needs a tackle off the bench. I mean, the odds of Gunnar Britton, Dylan Wade, his former teammate, by the way, I think the odds of like both of those guys not ever missing any time, I think that'd be an anomaly. I mean, just off of the line, they get hurt, especially in the FCC. And so, you know, who's that first guy off the bench at tackle? Probably Xavier Miller right now. And I think I like Jaden Muskrat going into the season a little bit more than him. was told by uh, multiple folks close to the situation at Auburn that Xavier Miller, they like him. It's just going to take time. He's got a ways to go. And so, um, that was early spring when I was told that we'll see if uh, we'll see if he develops and, and kind of gets to speed up under him. but Muskrat has already played and, and I think he could yeah like 800
2: snaps, that's right?
5: Eight hundred snaps, all but two of them are at right tackle, the other two are at left tackle. So um, that kind of shows the way Tulsa and Philip Montgomery valued him, and so that's probably going to be a similar thing. but hey, maybe that's part of the pitch. you know, hey, your floor for us is the third offensive tackle but we're going to give you an opportunity Mm -hmm. to compete for one of the guard spots. I mean, I think that's a heck of a sales pitch if you're him.
2: Yeah, 100%. And we've obviously talked quarterback. We've talked uh, offensive line. When you look at this transfer portal period, what are some other positions that really jump out to you that you know Auburn has to go address a need at this spot?
5: Mm -hmm. Outside of quarterback, I think it's edge slash defensive end slash jack, whatever you want to call it. The guys that can rush the passer. I, I think I feel okay about the run-stopping ability of this defensive line and this linebacking core. I don't think the pass rush is going to be there because I think a lot of you know the success of the 2023 Auburn defense is, okay, Keldrick Falk, we need you to not play like a freshman. We need you to play like a five-star pretty early. And it's just hard to make an instant impact as a pass rusher in the SEC as a true freshman. Not that he can't do it. I'm just saying a lot of really talented dudes have not been able to do it. It's usually their redshirt freshman or true sophomore season mm-hmm. where they really get the ball rolling. So I think that's part of it. And I, I think the staff believes in Keldrick Falk uh, more than Elijah McAllister long-term. And, you know, I, I think by, you know, the time week seven, week eight of the season, I'm curious to see what the market share of snaps look like at that position But I think it's thin. I don't think they feel particularly good about any of the other guys in that room. I mean, Dylan Brooks has just, like, disappeared. And, and, you know, the other guys are young. So we'll see how quick they can get going. But I think both the Jack linebacker spot and then that strong side defensive end with Jeffrey Embaugh leaving. Mm -hmm. Uh, you got Marcus Harris that's kind of played most of the snaps, that defensive end spot. And then Embaugh was kind of behind him. But what we've seen in the second half of spring – was the ascension of Messiah Nasili kite the transfer from Maryland. It sounds like he's kind of the backup three technique and the backup defensive end right now. Mm
0: -hmm. And
5: I think if you went, you know, maybe you go out and get some other guy that can kind of do a similar thing, maybe that kind of bolsters the depth. Because we haven't heard as much about Lawrence Johnson as I thought we would the transfer from Purdue. But still, I think you got to get guys that can rush the passer. I think Auburn is missing that.
2: Yeah, 100%. And what about a position like wide receiver where, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen really, really good receiver play at Auburn. I'd make the, I'd make the argument you got to go back to 2014 when you had Duke Williams uh, and Sammy Coates on the team at the same time. Right now you feel pretty good about Cam Brown. You know Javarius Johnson is a known commodity. Past that, it feels like a lot of question marks. What are your thoughts about that position?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know how you fix that position at this point of the year. I think if you were going to really revamp that, you would have had to do it like you did the offensive line in the previous transfer period. I mean, I think your wide receiving core at this point is who they are. Um, You know, and and I'm not convinced how much the staff really loves where they are in all of this. I I don't Mm -hmm. think they, I mean, I think they're even kind of skeptical of Nick Marder, you know, really the only receiver that they have brought in. So We'll see. You know, I kind of expected more out of Coy Moore at this point. Can he kind of crack that rotation? We've heard mixed things, mostly good things, about Jay Fair. Can he crack the rotation? What exactly does that look like? But, you know, still, I mean, we said this Carter going into last year because it's pretty much the same receiving core. But you can talk yourself up about a lot of these guys, Mm -hmm. a lot of them it's still just all like theory until they actually do it and produce, you know, it's all theory. It's all assumptions. It's all speculation. And the talent we all think is there, right? I don't think that's a crazy thing to say that, you know, Auburn has five or six guys that are really talented. Um, But, you know, also like, I think going into spring, we all expected Landon King to do a little bit more. And I think he's in this weird thing where, you know he was a tight end, and then the old regime asked him to be a receiver. and like I don't think he is a receiver. and I yeah. know that makes a lot of people upset because we all love the upside of like what Landon King represents. But I just don't think he's a wide receiver. I think he's you know uh, a guy that's probably in the wrong position, and it may be too late in his development to revert him back to a tight end. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I just thought he would kind of break through at this point, and the fact that he has not I think, is a little concerning.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you there. I think that 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 turned out to be a little bit of a uh, mistake and a setback for Landon King that I don't think he's really recovered from. Transitioning to basketball, we know that in this transfer portal period, we uh, Auburn has lost Chance Westry. Uh, he just committed to Syracuse. Yoan Traor. Uh, we know Wendell Green has is going pro. They've added Denver Jones. What does he bring to the team, and then how do you see Bruce Pearl and this staff attacking the rest of the portal period and filling out this roster?
5: Well they've got plenty of uh, they've got plenty of scholarship spots. I mean, they could almost mm-hmm. get a guy at every position group and still you know have room scholarship wise. They may do that because I think they need depth in a lot of different positions um, but Denver Jones, I think, offers a lot. And I think, you know, the addition of Aiden Holloway is extremely exciting. It's probably mm-hmm. your one and your two. But you need your backup one and your backup two. There's a lot of smoke around Devin Cambridge. I don't know if I'm fully buying that, Carter. I'd actually like to hear your thoughts on that. But I just don't think it really makes sense. Unless everybody's just cool doing a backup role thing. And maybe he is. Maybe he is. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I'm um, I'm, I'm confused by that one, too. Because I felt like part of... And I've, I listened to Bruce do an interview. Uh, I think it was... During the Final Four weekend, I think he did an interview with Barstool, and in the interview, he talked about how he went to Devin, and he said, hey, the way our depth chart works out, I've got 20 minutes, for you You played 20 minutes this past year, I've got 20 minutes for you again, that's all I have, what do you want to do, Devin left for Arizona State for a bigger opportunity, to me, I don't view him as your starter at the three, and it'd be confusing to see him come back to auburn to potentially be a backup 3 and I'm, i just i don't love the shooting that we saw in his career i don't trust him to put the ball on the deck and and go to the rim he's a great athlete he'll block a lot of shots he'll have a lot of great dunks he'll have a lot of highlight plays i'm just not sh- i'm not pumped about bringing him back to play the same role that he had previously played
5: yeah no, I I'm, I'm there with you. I'm there with you on all of that. So does that make sense? I don't know. But hey, you know, if, if you tell me Devin Cambridge was like the tenth guy, you know, I would take that.
2: yeah, one one hundred percent. I mean, if if he's uh, a in the rotation, but down the bench a little bit, like I'm hundred percent fine with that. Uh, but in terms of how how can Auburn address the fact that, well, I mean, when you look at Bruce Pearl's uh, recent history, they have not shot the three well in recent years, and they've really been a pretty brutal free-throw shooting team. And who are some names that Auburn fans should keep an eye on?
5: You know, the the Cleveland guy, the former FSU guy, I think that's exciting. Um, outside of that, card. I'm going to be honest, I haven't followed it super closely. I've been looking at a lot of the football stuff. But you know, I think that's a guy that has a Janai Broom type impact. Um on this roster and i think that's probably a position group where they really need some help you know that three four kind of you know role but outside of that man car i'm going to be honest with you i haven't followed basketball as close to that football
2: i got you i got you well uh you you obviously have a lot going on locked on auburn uh auburn daily braves today as well that's that's new since the the last time we talked to you so so uh where can everybody keep track of you and everything you've got going on
5: yeah, yeah, you said most of it there. Locked on Auburn, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also on YouTube, AuburnDaily.com for all of your Auburn-written word. And then BravesToday.com, we've got podcasts, we've got Braves articles all over the place. They're, uh, they're the best team in baseball right now, so be sure to follow them.
2: 100%. I mean, seven-game win streak right now is pretty strong. Let's see if they can keep it up tonight. Zach, appreciate you coming on, man. We we need to do it again uh, sooner than, than than last time, for sure
5: yeah yeah tell me uh tell me when i'll make it
2: happen absolutely appreciate it zach we will uh talk to you soon that was zach blackerby with locked on auburn auburn daily braves today he's got so he's a man of many hats for sure but we need to hit our final break of our number two final break of the show uh when we come back we will wrap up the show and get you set for the drive
0: you are on the line on ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at
2: 888-382-7502. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Carter Bird in the Auburn Network studio, in the last hour and a half of today's show. It's been a great show. Uh, we had Jack Hudden on. We had, Well, we had my, my co-host and good buddy who's uh, doing... Uh, Lee Scott Academy Baseball right now as they're in the middle of Game 1 of their doubleheader against Springwood over there uh, at Lee Scott Academy on, and also on AU100, uh, AU100 FM and AU100 app. Uh, Jacob Goins joined us for the first 30 minutes and then we had Jack Hutton at 3 o'clock for, the, uh, for two segments, actually, as, as we talked uh, Auburn football and basketball and everything going on there and then we were joined by zach blackerby of locked on auburn auburn daily and braves today uh as i said he's a man of many hats uh as as he came on to talk the transfer portal and what auburn uh is looking to do for the rest of this these 12 days of the transfer portal period it's been a great show uh of course the uh He'll, he'll be writing about the Braves playing tonight as they take on the Padres in Game 2 of their series out there on the West Coast. Uh, another kind of late start, uh, 8.40 Central time. Uh, and then, of course, the Auburn baseball team is in action today, tonight, actually, at home against Samford uh, at 6 p.m. as they look to bounce back off... Uh, A really rough stretch here that includes uh, a series loss to Florida, a midweek loss to UAB, a series loss to Texas A&M at home, uh, a midweek loss at Georgia Tech, and a series loss at Alabama. They really need to bounce back uh, tonight against Samford. But, yeah, it's been a great show. Uh, We've talked a lot about the quarterback situation, which I think is going to get the most discussion because, I mean, it's – the most impactful position on the football field. Uh, But I do think Zach had some very interesting uh, thoughts about the way that Auburn seems to be attacking the trenches, and they need to attack the defensive side of the trenches even more so uh, with Jeffrey Imba leaving, and they need a pass rusher as well. I think uh, Hugh Freeze and the staff, it's going to be exciting. I think you're going to see a lot of movement. I think uh, you may see some players enter the portal this week, uh, and you may start to see some news start to trickle out there about um, landing a guy or two and and generating some momentum in this portal period for Auburn. They definitely have uh, positions they need to add players at. Uh, quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, edge rusher, maybe a safety, maybe a linebacker. Uh, I still think they need to add a wide receiver. It's interesting to 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 hear Zach's thoughts that uh you're kind of are what you, you are what you are at this point in time at the wide receiver position. Uh I still think you could potentially go out there and find somebody who has gone through spring. I mean, you look at a guy like uh Jameson Williams who uh was kind of buried on the depth chart at Ohio State. He transfers to Alabama and was a star. I think there's room for that still potentially. Uh, in this portal period, and I think if that opportunity arises, uh, Auburn needs to jump at that chance and improve that room. I think that'll that'll help the quarterback play. Whether it's one of the guys on the roster right now, like a Robbie Ashford or Holden Gerner, or an unnamed transfer quarterback that we have not uh, seen yet, we have not seen on this roster. Uh, I think getting somebody who can get some separation and make life easier. On these quarterbacks is pretty critical, and, and whether it happens in this portal period or it happens moving forward, I mean, I think back to the the Buffalo Bills. They changed their wide receiver philosophy. They tried to go really big for Josh Allen, uh, who's a little in, inaccurate early in his career, uh, trying to use long limbs to make contested catches. Uh, to if the ball's off target, that he can, uh, those big receivers can snag the ball and make catches. Then they they shifted to speedy guys who could get separation and make life easier on their quarterback. I think Auburn needs to do the same. That's going to do it for today's episode of On the Line. Coming up next, uh, The Drive. I think tomorrow also, by the way, we will be back at full strength. But coming up next, The Drive here on ESPN 106.7. See you all next time.